The conclusion says, this study shows that planning a home birth does not increase the risks of perinatal mortality and severe perinatal morbidity among low-risk women. But listen to this. Holland offered more than 500,000 home birth data points in the study. At the period where they were number one in the world in birth safety, for no explained reason, the researchers just left it out. I feel like the decision we made was because we didn't want to waste our precious time and energy and our pregnancy getting ready to put on our boxing gloves. You are giving this person the privilege to attend your birth and to be with you in your pregnancy, period. We didn't have to do this, but we mailed a courtesy letter to the OB's office saying, your services are no longer needed. Peace out. I'm Cynthia Overgaard, owner of Hypnobirthing of Connecticut, childbirth advocate, and postpartum support specialist. And I'm Trisha Ludwig, certified nurse midwife and international board-certified lactation consultant. And this is the Down to Birth Podcast. Childbirth is something we're made to do, but how do we have our safest and most satisfying experience in today's medical culture? Let's dispel the myths and get down to birth. Well, my name is Colleen and I have seven children. Um, They were all born at home. And we actually started teaching childbirth classes after our first baby was born. So I can talk a little bit about that too. Um, But I just wanted to talk today about the importance of knowing home birth as an option, as a first-time parent. Um, And we are just so thankful that someone told us that it was an option. And so I'm happy to share a little bit about my births today and our story um, and just how important it is really to consider home birth as an option, especially with your first baby. So often home birth is the path of someone who had a difficult first birth experience and is looking for something dramatically different. So I would say, you know, much of the time, I don't know the exact percentage, but much of the time, you know, the mothers who are giving birth at home are having their second or third baby at home or had a birth center burst the first time or have been the mindset is often that, you know, they want to prove that they can give birth vaginally before choosing home birth to make sure that it's safe in quotations. I feel like this episode is speaking to women like me who my first pregnancy, I fired my obstetrician and I chose to have a natural birth, but home birth was not psychologically an option for me at all. I, I perceived it as risky. I was uninformed in home birthing. I never understood the benefits and the satisfaction, the peace that can come with home birthing. And I felt like the birth center was the perfect, the perfect choice in between. And it it was the perfect choice in between for me, based on who I was and where I was at that point in my journey at that time. And then the second time I was pregnant, I chose a home birth only because I had a very fast first birth and I didn't know if I would make it to the birthing center. And I'm so grateful. And, you know, I, I had been teaching hypnobirthing by then, and I had had, um, I had taught hundreds of couples by then and a few dozen of whom who had had home births. And I always saw it going so well. So I don't know if I hadn't been inundated with positive birth stories with home birth, if I would have had the, gosh, I never know what word to use here. It isn't courage. I don't think home birth takes courage, but that's what I thought it took. 
trust that I would have had the trust. I think that is the word. Yeah. I don't think I would have had the trust if I hadn't been afraid of the drive to the birthing center, the fear of another precipitous birth and just all these stories around me. So I can't imagine how many women are in exactly that position where they're like, oh, maybe for the second birth. Well, why not put everything you long for in the first and not everyone longs for a home birth. So if you don't long for it, don't waste your time meeting with home birth midwives. But if you have that little curiosity and longing, then you must pursue it for this birth that you're on because there's an inner voice telling you something. Yes, I love that. But I'm glad Trisha also acknowledged that perhaps the majority of home births we see are not only from women who want to prove they can, quote, have a vaginal birth the first time, but they were so traumatized by their hospital experience. Now they're, they're running from it and they land at home. And you're just, you're just, you're not any of those options. You're just like Trisha was just like centered in the middle, first birth. I'm having home birth. So tell us what, what's it like to be one of those women? (laughs) (laughs) Well, as soon as I got pregnant, you know, I know that you probably will agree. Something sort of happens to you where you're just like, I'm reading the books and I'm learning the stuff. And I don't know, that's a little bit of my personality too, but I just, I also am like, I would consider myself a really crunchy kind of person in all other areas. And I wasn't like that before I got pregnant. Um, And it just, something came over me that was like, okay, I'm not going to put this into my body. I'm not going to have this in my environment. And so why wouldn't I do the same throughout my pregnancy and my birth? We signed up for a class in the Bradley method. We took a Bradley class and we went around in a circle the first class. And she said, why are you here? And I said, I don't want to give drugs to my baby. And I honestly have no background in that. My mother gave birth naturally, but you know, lots of people did then, right? Well, that's pretty compelling. I don't know if a lot did then. I think natural birth was really at quite a low for many decades. And I do think it's something you can appreciate because most of us heard really negative birth stories about how birth used to be. And I think your mother's positive birth story probably had a deeper impact on you than you can appreciate. It It definitely did. And she kind of said, you know, the people at her environment, at least the people I knew, she said, we weren't getting epidurals. We were just having a baby. Was this in the 80s? It was, I was born in 1981. Now her first birth was a little different. She was induced, but she still did not have an epidural. I don't know. She just acted like it was a really normal she never questioned it either. She just was like, yeah. That was the same right. for my mother. Um, no, no, everything. It was just a birth was expected to be unmedicated vaginal in the hospital. Yes, and her mother gave birth to twins vaginally in the 40s. One was breech, one was not. And it seems like, you know, it wasn't really a big deal. Big so deal. I, I know that has impacted me, definitely. So in my mind, I'm pregnant. I'm thinking women have been having babies for thousands of years. I don't need to be delivered from that. I don't need to be rescued. So we started taking our Bradley class. Our teacher was wonderful. We kind of just, we knew we already wanted a natural birth with, you know, as little intervention as possible. We had watched the business of being born. Um, We were just like ready. And my husband is super supportive, but he didn't know anything. He just went because he loved me and he was supportive of me, but but by the second or third class, he was just like, I can't believe what we're learning. This is amazing. This is blowing my mind that people don't know this and people don't 
pursue this the way that we're pursuing it. Um, and that's how I felt too. I felt like just the physiology, just the way that we believe God has made our bodies is just mind blowing. And not only the way we're made, but the way that that society just goes against that is just so even now. And this was 2008. Even now, I'm still it's still hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that it takes so long to put evidence into practice. Uh, 17 years. What is it? I think they said, yeah, I think they said 17 or 18 years to put in, to put evidence into practice, but I don't think this is ever going to get there in our country. As long as it's, as long as hospitals are run like for-profit corporations, what incentive will there ever be to get there? Home birth is not profitable. That's right. So we were learning all of this in the class and we, you know, our birth plan was just kind of like the word, no, you know, it was just like, well, do I print out a piece of paper that just says no big fat? No to all of it. None of it. We didn't want any of it. Our teacher said, you know, you guys, have you ever considered a home birth? And I was just like, I don't know what that is. What does that mean? Who does that? Does that exist? We live in an apartment. Like, can we have a home birth? We don't have a home. (laughs) And she's like, I'm looking at your birth plan. Cause you know, you write it out, you bring it in. She looks at it and helps you with that. And, and she's like, I don't think the hospital is going to be a, the place where you want to give birth. I mean, you guys are soaking all of this information up. You are ready. And, and I'm afraid you're going to spend most of your time fighting and advocating for yourself, which we all know should not be a thing. And she was absolutely correct. But we were just like, wow, okay, um, I guess we'll just go home and think about that. And I think it was the next week we had our 20 week anatomy scan. We wanted to find out the gender. So here we are first time parents. My husband takes off the day of work. We drive almost an hour to this hospital. The only one available in our insurance. Um, I'd have been driving to my prenatals 45 minutes by myself to all my appointments to see the OB for five minutes. So we go to the ultrasound and the tech puts her hand up and says, I'm sorry, sir, you're not allowed in here due to policy, privacy policy. Wait, what? Why? Mm-hmm. What? Privacy policy. She said, I said, this is our first baby. My husband took the day off to be here so that we can find out the gender together. What do you mean he can't come in? She said, well, we can do all of the measurements and everything. And at the very end, he can come in and see the gender real quick. What the? And I'm thinking, why? Like this is before I, I the insanity of COVID keeping part. Yeah, this is, this right. is like this is what? Co- what was their rationale? This makes no Knowing sense. Privacy is this a joke? This is the person who who became pregnant with you. <laughs> what privacy is there between those? Privacy. Two? You shouldn't be in here in that case. Right. You should leave the room, and then we can find out the gender. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. It's so bizarre. So of course we're just stunned, and he says okay, and I go in. And I want to note too, you know, they tell you to fill your bladder and drink a ton of water. Well, I did that. And I was like, I have to go to the bathroom before I lay down to get this ultrasound. And she's like, okay, but don't empty it completely. And oh. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I lay down. Good luck. Does, I know. She does all the measurements, all the things. And she says, okay, I'm going to grab your husband. And she had already told me it's a girl. And I'm like, yay, you know, by myself. She brings him oh, in. Oh, I don't believe alone? she did that. Was, he wasn't there? I was alone. And then she oh said, my gosh. now that you know, he can come in and you can tell him and show him and whatever. What? Oh, that's a, that's such a power move. It gets better. 
gets better. Just wait. He comes in and I'm like, it's a girl. And I already had felt that I was not surprised at all. And he's like, oh, that's so wonderful. And then we're kind of just looking at each other, like so anticlimactic, right? And this was our, we had planned for this to be our only ultrasound, you know? So she says, now you can go out to the waiting room and a doctor's going to come and speak with you. And I've never done this before. I'm thinking, oh, that's just normal. You just speak to the doctor. Okay. We go and sit out into the waiting room and this girl who isn't probably younger than me (laughs) with a white coat on comes and sits me down and says, well, I've seen your ultrasound and um, you actually have an incompetent cervix and you're never going to carry a baby to to full term. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Wait, how far along were you right now? It was 20 weeks. She said you're not going to carry this baby to full term. Or any other baby. For or that. any other baby. But you, there you were with this baby five months old inside of you. What? She, what? She just spit it out there. There was no bedside manner. There was no. What was it based on? In, incompetent cervical measurement. What does that even mean? Can anyone explain? Your cervix was open. So right? she didn't actually explain anything to me, but I didn't. I, I was just so shocked. So our hospital was, it's like connected to where my OB's office is. So I just walked through this like tunnel. She said, I want you to walk over to your OB. She's expecting you and she's going to do a quick exam and we'll go from there. So you had a short cervix, probably with a little bit of dilation at the time of the ultrasound. So I go there. My OB was actually wonderful. The one that I saw, but it's a group. I mean, there's like six of them. That means nothing. I had, yeah, I had never even met any of them, but in this instance, she was kind and drying my tears and telling me. She did me a check, did a check. She's like, honey, you are perfect. And I am so sorry, but this happens all the time with those texts over there. You just had a full bladder. I know that's what it was. Just your measurements were long because of your bladder or whatever. Wait, long? Short or long. I don't even remember. Short. Short. Wow. I said, they told me to fill my bladder. (laughs) And then they told me I could never carry this baby to full term. And she's like, well, that simply isn't the case. All right. So let me ask you this before you continue. I just have to know. So what I've seen is when this happens to women in pregnancy, even though right after you were given this terrible information, you had someone come in and say, oh no, you are doing just fine. Was there a little voice that remained the whole pregnancy that said, but what if, what if, what if, what if that first tech was right? Did you ever get over that fear? Yeah, no, I just knew that I was educated and that birth was birth, and that these people, sadly, don't know anything. <laughs> so you were able to let go of So that. you were not afraid. You were not afraid. I was not afraid. I was emotional because I was confused. And the way that they treated me was not, you know, sensitive or caring or anything like that. That made me very emotional. But no, I was like, that that isn't right. You are wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> You're wrong. That's right. Because I do know even as a new mother, I think you have intuition and you do. I would have known, I think if something really was wrong, I knew my baby was a girl. How did I know that? Because I just knew. Um, and I think we are, you know, I'm going to say this later too, but we have everything we need. We just need to find it. (laughs) One of the affirmations I give every couple in my class, I mail them all in a pack of affirmations that I make. And one is that everyone gets is I have everything I need. That's right. And I'm a minimalist in all things, even birth and breastfeeding. And I truly believe that. Um, and so, you know, we left and in the car, my husband's like, 
if this is the ultrasound experience, what is the birth going to be like? And I said, I'm not going back there. And so we, the next day, I believe, hired a home birth midwife. And we didn't have to do this, but we mailed a courtesy letter to the OB's office saying, your services are no longer needed. Peace out. (laughs) Goodbye. Um, Because I didn't want them calling me and trying to remind me of my appointments. I just wanted to cut it off. So, yeah. And, you know, what's funny is we, where we lived at the time, there aren't very many home birth midwives. Illinois is not super friendly, but I was already in like sort of a crunchy group of women. I had been attending the Leche League meetings throughout my pregnancy. And so I just said to these women, I got to find a midwife. And they're like, here's a number. And I called her and I told her about it and I interviewed her. And that was that. And so we moved forward with her and it was just the best choice. And, you know, I feel like the decision we made was because we didn't want to waste our precious time and energy and our pregnancy getting ready to put on our boxing gloves at a place where we had hired someone to care for us. You get to choose. You're the hiring manager. They work for you. You get to hire them. You get to fire them. You get to interview them. Their job is to serve you, not the other way around. Their job is to please and satisfy you, not the other way around. That's right. And we have gotten so far from that mindset. It's, it's people are going to have trouble going back. Some people never will. But my goal is to always say to people, you don't have to do anything. You are giving this person the privilege to attend your birth and to be with you in your pregnancy, period. Um, and that is hard for people who maybe have a personality that isn't naturally leaning that way. It's going to take them a lot more to get there. And they're going to need more training in that than other women. And that's okay. Um, but our childbirth teacher was really the one that presented it as an option. And oh my goodness, we are just so thankful because I feel like that first birth, avoiding that first unnecessary C-section, avoiding that first cascade of interventions can truly change the outcomes of your childbearing years and your future children. Because then what you're doing is you're avoiding that uphill battle that so many women find with wanting to have a VBAC um, and to change their story. And we kind of feel like that with our children too. Like teaching them to do something early is so much easier than having to go back and sort of retrain something that we missed, right? In one of our um, episodes with attorney Hermine Hayes Klein, she stated loud and clear that the greatest malpractice is the failure of obstetricians to prevent the first cesarean. Oh man. Yes. And I always say the first intervention is leaving your house, really. It is. But you know, we, we don't consider how much more risk we put women in when we don't support vaginal birth. And obviously the risk of cesarean is much greater when we go to the hospital and we have interventions. Yeah. Um, Pauline, do you believe home birth is for everyone? I believe it. Who's it not for? Yeah. I I think it's for about 99% of women. I do healthy, low risk women who are just just doing a normal thing and having a baby. Yet uh, 1% of women have them. That is wild. I can't even wrap my head around that sometimes. I, so 
I, I still have within me that woman who was worried, who had all the what ifs. And that sure. does exist. There is risk at hospital births, there's risk at home birth. And what do you do about well, what are your feelings around that? I mean, you certainly know that everything worked out beautifully for you as it did for me and Trisha with our own home births. But what what about the fact that we can't rule out that quote, something can go wrong? What what do you do with that? I mean, what did you think about that possibility? And what do you tell women who are aware of that possibility? Yeah, I mean, you said it too, you nailed it. Like our life is full of risk. And this is helpful for motherhood in general. Our goal is not to live a risk-free life, but we are always weighing the risks versus the benefits. And so I think when you do that, if you desire a natural birth, a physiological normal birth and a positive birth experience, you need to realize that the risks of going to the hospital, um, the risks of not having that kind of birth are far greater than the very small risk of an actual emergency in home birth. Um, and that's funny because people just think we got lucky seven times, you know, Whew, we just, yeah. we just, few, you know, got lucky. Yep. Seven times. Yeah. Um, well, when you break down the statistics of the things that can go wrong in home birth, you look at the incidence of those things happening, like a cord prolapse um, or placental abruption, talking about like true birth emergencies, and you compare those with the rate of cesarean birth, birth trauma, uh, vacuum forceps, fourth degree tears, risks of Pitocin, separation of mother and baby. I mean, you look at the numbers and the decision suddenly becomes a lot easier. But most people don't look at it from that perspective. They just think about the catastrophic possibility of giving birth at home something going terribly wrong. And how could I ever forgive myself That's right. for something like that? Yeah. And it informs how we enter motherhood. It, it, it influences how we think about ourselves as a mother. Absolutely. And I think it's important for people to learn the differences between variations of normal and actual true emergencies. Yes. And that, you know, people just think that these midwives come in and they just give you like a rope to bite on and they boil the water or whatever, play the drums. I mean, this is what people really think about home birth. But in fact, these are highly skilled and trained individuals. But guess what? They're trained in normal birth. They're not a surgeon. And that I think that's helpful for people to realize that obstetricians are necessary, but they are trained in complications. They are trained in surgery. <laughs> Their scope of normal birth is extremely narrow. Yes. And what you the, what you get with an experienced home birth midwife is a, a, a woman who has a very, very wide circle of safety. Yes. And that's what you want because she has seen all the different variations and how they play out. Yes. And she doesn't intervene too soon and say, oh, no, no. You know, now we got to do this. This is not looking good. We got to change this. We got to start this. She says, I trust the process yeah. because she's seen so much variation of normal birth. And that's exactly the midwife you want yes. in your home birth. I think it's also important for any listener to just know some of the stats and information out there, because one thing we really enjoy doing on this podcast is calling out um, the manipulations and conflicts of interest involved in 
research and studies, because so many people just take that headline or that conclusion. And when you read a study, there is so much more information, often in contrast with what the conclusion is, because you never know how they're funded or what the intentions are of these researchers. And I want to tell everyone that there was uh, at long last a big global study that said, is home birth more dangerous than uh, hospital birth? Because that is the big question. People, you know, we get caught up into thinking it's a statistics game and we want to just err on the side of the odds rather than really looking at ourselves as an individual, which is how we are supposed to be treating women in pregnancy and birth. But listen to this. So first of all, (laughs) I'll tell you the conclusion and then I'm going to tell you a, a lesser known fact about this study that's pretty telling. The conclusion says this study shows that planning a home birth does not increase the risks of perinatal mortality and severe perinatal morbidity among low-risk women, provided the maternity care system facilitates this choice through the availability of well-trained midwives and through a good transportation and referral system. So the latter part of what I just read is where we don't do a very good job in the U.S. And our last episode with Hermine Hayes-Klein, because we've done three with her, did get into that. Like we need a better support of midwives in this country. But listen to this. In this study, they were looking for all the really good uh, data samples around the world. They were doing a meta-analysis. Now, while the U.S. has uh, experienced um, increasing maternal mortality since the 80s, every single other industrialized nation in the entire world has seen significantly lower maternal mortality. So we've gone in exactly the opposite direction of every other industrialized nation. When you look it up online, maternal mortality by country, it is it's kind of infuriating that you look at the U.S. and you just see us going toward the the sky when all the other ones are going down together. Again, my firm belief is that's because of our system being a for-profit system. And anyway, I'm putting that aside right now. In the past decade, um, Holland has been number one in maternal safety in the world. And I don't know how it is today. I'm not up on that. But I know in recent years, every woman there by default gives birth at home. And in fact, the the national uh, healthcare system doesn't want women. Uh, again, this might have changed now. I don't know, but didn't support women birthing in a hospital unless they were high risk. With that being said, Holland offered more than five hundred thousand home birth data points in the study at the period where they were number one in the world in birth safety, and for no explained reason, the researchers just left it out. They made the largest contribution by many, many fold, the largest contribution to the study. And they just said, we're leaving out Holland because they knew that it would come in with a very compelling global story of how home birth is safer. So that data has never been released. It's never been concluded. It's never been published because Holland, which has the best data on it, was just left out of the study. Like we're not including that. So they took oh. 10,000 points from this country and 14,000 from that country. And they turned down 529,000 data points from Holland. Wow. It's discouraging, isn't it? Sometimes <laughs> it's just not fair because all we want, it's not that we're, you know, I, I, it's not that we're pro home birth or we're pro. I don't view myself as pro anything, but informed choice. I know right. home birth didn't wasn't my choice the first time around. And I respect the decision I made because I made the decision that felt right to me. And 
as long as women are getting full information and doing what absolutely feels right to them. I mean, I felt excited about my birth center birth. It was the right choice for my first birth. Yeah. So I'm not pro anything except informed choice and to rob women as though we're not, first of all, very intelligent human beings. And second, completely responsible for our health and our baby and our choices. Like, what are you trying to, what are you doing? Why is someone withholding information from us? Why yes. can't we get that full information and make the decision for ourselves? That's something I find outrageous. We're not children. We're adults making our own decisions. That's right. The birth culture is very opposed to home birth. The, the modern maternity system is rejects home birth. So you don't get the information and any information that is available is buried. Hey there, all you amazing, strong, and beautiful women, especially you new moms and moms-to-be. I'm Taylor, co-founder and CEO of Vitality. And I'm Taylor's sister, Chloe, co-founder and chief design officer. We started Vitality to encourage and empower everyone to live a vibrant life. We're all about supporting women, especially on the journey to motherhood. When I was pregnant, I really struggled to find comfy leggings that I could wear all day, every day. So we set out to make the best maternity pants out there. We took those pain points and designed pieces that were supportive and comfortable, including details like a high-rise fit, underbelly seam, raw cut hems, and to top it off, we have an embedded silicone panel that acts like a built-in suspension system for your low back, which is the first of its kind. So we designed this line in our Marshmallow Soft Cloud 2 fabric in not only a maternity pant, but a volley and biker short as well. Let me tell you, all of these pieces are a game changer. Just go to shopvitality.com and cherry on top, you guys can use code DOWNTOBIRTH at checkout to get 10% off your order. 10% off athleisure designed for pregnancy during pregnancy. Down to Birth is sponsored by Postpartum Soothe. Recovering from a vaginal birth takes many women by surprise. Everyday activities like sitting, walking, and going to the bathroom can be uncomfortable. And Postpartum Soothe is just the remedy to support your healing and relieve discomfort. Postpartum Soothe is a 100% organic herbal blend that's applied to maternity pads in the days immediately following your birth, giving you all the benefits of a sits bath 24-7. That's because herbs like comfrey leaf, uva ursi, and witch hazel are known for their antimicrobial and anti-inflammatory properties. Postpartum Soothe can be prepared anytime during the third trimester, and it makes a beautiful baby gift. It's a must for any woman seeking a faster, easier recovery from a vaginal birth. Visit postpartumsoothe.com. That's postpartumsoothe, S-O-O-T-H-E dot com, and use promo code DOWNTOBIRTH. Did you know that 97% of women take a prenatal vitamin, yet 95% of us are still deficient in key nutrients for pregnancy and postpartum? After a long time searching for the optimal prenatal nutrition product, we bring you Needed, a radically better prenatal vitamin. Needed's nutritional products offer nutrients that your body can utilize with doses at optimal versus bare minimum levels and are available in capsules and an easy-to-take vanilla powder, perfect for those moms with pill fatigue or nausea. Needed is a woman-founded company offering a superior nutritional product lineup backed by research, data, and insights from nearly 4,000 women's health experts. Needed offers premium supplements for every stage from egg quality support for women trying to conceive to lactation support for breastfeeding. 
And you know, Cynthia and I, we love their botanical sleep and relaxation support packets before bedtime. So if you are looking for a radically different prenatal, head on over to thisisneeded.com and enter down to birth for 20% off your first order. Yes. And I, I think that, you know, we actually taught, um, classes for over 10 years in our home. And the majority of those people were headed to the hospital. And so it's not that I'm anti-hospital birth, but that isn't my story. And so when someone comes to me and they want to have a natural birth, I think the best place for most of them is to be at home because of my story. Right. And, and so we actually, there's a lot of reasons we stopped teaching this particular class in our homes, but one of them was, I just, I just couldn't do it anymore because what I wanted to do was be like, just have a home birth. Just, just let me pull you aside and just tell you, just forget the whole thing, you know? And so I just, I think I got really burnt out from spending most of my class time teaching them how to talk to their nurses and how to, how to fight and how to advocate and make sure you get a doula because if you don't, you know, it's just, it felt like a lot of excess energy from, of course, from them. I didn't want them wasting their time. I wanted them to be able to spend their pregnancy preparing for the important things, right? Like a baby and postpartum and and actual relaxation and labor techniques and nutrition and all of that. But it, it seemed like that had to be put aside because of all the time we needed to arm them. And I got so burnt out from that. <laughs> um, a lot of women like doulas go into this work because they're inspired. And then they, there's a high turnover rate. There's a high burnout rate because they, they get discouraged or disheartened. Um, yes. My advice to couples, cause I've worked with so many and I feel like I've found the, the message that, that helps or that works. And really it's, and it's very sincere. It's just, I have no idea where you're meant to give birth, but I can tell you that yeah. You shouldn't stiffen at the idea of where you're giving birth. If you imagine a home birth and you stiffen and think I would feel terrified giving birth in this house, then absolutely don't give birth where you feel like you're stiffening and tensing. Yes. Um, and by the same token, if you walk into a hospital and you stiffen and whisper under your breath, I hate hospitals. Why are you giving birth in a place that you hate? We're not supposed to hate our environment when we're giving birth. That's right. So the, the challenge women have is just not, not to trust us, not to trust the person they've hired to support them. You really have to listen to yourself. And the way I phrase it, I alluded to it earlier is if you have that curiosity, that little spark, that, that little longing, like, oh, she had a home birth. Well, she's amazing. That's not for me. She's amazing. Well, why, if you feel like that's amazing, then you have a pull toward it and you owe it to yourself at a minimum to have a consultation with at least one home birth midwife. That's it. If you go back to a hospital or birth center after that, you can be at peace because you can say, I followed that spark. Turned out it wasn't for me, but to ignore it is what we don't want because it's telling you something. And yes. for the women who don't even have that interest, don't waste your time. It isn't for you. That's okay. Yeah. I always say I'm only here for the people that want the education. I'm not here to, to bark you know, that you're doing the, the wrong thing and you're doing, you know, I am impose your intentions on them. Right. Correct. I'm here and available for the women that want to know mm -hmm. because the best education is really true self-education. Mm -hmm. 
the tricky thing is for women to learn how to discern between what their body is telling them and what their mind is saying. Yeah. So it's that, you know, the head versus heart situation. So that's why we say you need to figure out where you literally feel within your body the safest. Get out of the head and into the body and there lies your answer. Yes. And even if in your body, even if every cell in your body says yes to your home, but your mind says no, 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 no. Now we know where the work is that has to be done. So how do we get into that space? What do we need to teach ourselves, educate ourselves on so that the mind can kind of get in sync with the body? But if your body says no, it doesn't really matter what your mind says. You don't need to override that. You go with you go with that feeling. Like that stiffening I was talking about. Yes, right? exactly. Yes. So find the environment where your body relaxes and feels at peace and then get your mind to align with that. Yes, because in the end, you know, we were talking about actual complications and that 1% forgiving yourself. In the end, you will know that you went into your birth prepared, informed, and confident. And so whatever the outcome is, you know that you did the best that you could because you knew your options. And if you don't know your options, you don't have any. And so when we're taking responsibility for our care, we aren't, you know, we live in the Sioux SA, right? You're going to sue somebody else for what they did. But in reality, you actually are responsible for educating yourself. There is malpractice, but when it comes to just the risks that we, you know, we live in a world where there are risks, when it comes to those things that are out of our control, we have to, I think, accept when something does go wrong, we, we did the best that we could, and we're still happy with our birth. We're still pleased with the outcome. Um, I think that is so important to, it's hard to, like you said, do that mind work. We've been so brainwashed. We, we have Hollywood birth at the forefront of our minds. We have horror stories because when you're pregnant, people want to tell you all those horror stories. Um, But, but people don't go back to figure out, you know, point one of the, the first part of that cascade of intervention, you know, thank God we saved your baby while we we actually didn't have to save your baby. We wouldn't have done all those other things, right? And we we have to remember too that birth in the hospital has been very, it's very short-lived. It's home birth is, the increasing growth in home birth right now is not a trend. The trend is really hospital birth compared to the relative length of time that women have been giving birth in their own private spaces. Yes. You know, I did an interview for a newspaper a while back when I was teaching in in my home and the title of the article was like local woman teaches alternative birthing methods. Right. No, this is not alternative. Natural is not an alternative, guys. (laughs) This is the norm. The default. It is certainly the default. Yes. It's from nature's perspective. It's every cell in your body is anticipating a physiologic birth. So that's why we do have to recognize interventions that are not so obvious, like putting on clothing that isn't yours or leaving your space. It's also worth mentioning that the number one reason for home birth transfer in the U.S. is that the birth is not progressing. We picture this terrifying emergency and yes, anything can happen, right? Placental abruptions. I mean, we had an episode of that with a happened to a woman in the middle of the night and she got herself to a hospital and had a necessary C-section. But what by and large, the reason for transfers are happening after hours of that couple and that midwife just pondering, should we go? Should we stay? We're on day three here. What do you want to do? 
But there's one thing we didn't do in this episode. And I want you to just make, I want you to answer this because it isn't said enough. We talk a lot about home birth in terms of avoiding hospitals. Can you just talk a little bit and explain for us what home birth gave you, not in the context of it wasn't the hospital? What did it do for you? Why was it right for you? What is home birthing like in your words? Well, I would say one of the things I learned the most was that I didn't have a clock. No one started a clock for me. Well, we're still doing, see, the, the, our mind always, we're so conditioned to think of it's not a hospital. So what was, yeah, if you had had your home births 500 years ago, I mean, just if you can tap into what you saved yourself from in your yeah. cases, what, what for me after having my home birth, what's after having had a wonderful birthing center birth, it was a very big difference. And for me, I just couldn't get the word casual out of my mind, how uneventful it was. Nothing marked the beginning. So for me, it was just like, it was a normal day of my life. And suddenly there was a baby in the room. How do you, what, for anyone listening, why, other than avoiding a hospital, why long for a home birth? Why have a home birth? What do home birthing women experience? Man, I love that right after my baby is born. Oh, I'm going to get emotional. Um, my team of people that I have lovingly chosen to be around me, they kind of scurry around taking care of me. That's it. That's their job, including my husband. And now my other children who have all been present at my births or sleeping in the other room. Um, I love that it is an intimate family event, a community event. My community is my family, people that I've chosen to be there. And so my favorite part is quite, it's quiet, but it's a busyness that happens right after the birth. And then I get to climb into my own bed and just stay there for nine or 10 days. (laughs) And I feel like the best part is just that it is a normal day, but it is miraculous. It, it is unforgettable because my family is there. Um, I am being cared for. I am able to recover. I'm able to do the most important thing. I don't need to get dressed and go to Walmart the next day. I don't need to do that because what I'm doing is the most important thing. And that is resting and nursing and soaking it all in. And to me, that's my favorite moment when everything, the dust kind of settles and I'm able to just take a deep breath and, and celebrate what just happened. To me, that that is a gift for me that I have been able to do seven times. Thanks for joining us at the Down to Birth Show. You can reach us at Down to Birth Show on Instagram or email us at contact at downtobirthshow.com. All of Cynthia's classes and Trisha's breastfeeding services are held live online, serving women and couples everywhere. Please remember this information is made available to you for educational and informational purposes only. It is in no way a substitute for medical advice. For our full disclaimer, visit downtobirthshow.com slash disclaimer. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, hear everyone and listen to yourself. And so what I want for women is not to miss out and women don't know what they're missing. They don't, we don't know what we don't know. And so what I want for every woman 
is to experience that because I experienced it. And every birth is unique and different and everyone won't feel the same way, but I believe we're giving it away too easily. 